0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this supplement um, on the sermon series, the Gospel of John. I hope all of you have begun your Lenten journey, and I wish you grace and insight during this time. Um, I'm going to periodically uh, add an extra recording um, just because there's so much here in the Gospel of John, and obviously, preaching through a book is different than teaching it and i've just gained so many more insights this has just been a wonderful journey for myself so i want to share some of that with you again i want to give due credit to dr david ford his commentary on the gospel of john has brought a whole new dimension to my study and certainly i would continue to recommend those classic studies of john raymond brown um shackenberg's as well but but this has been a particularly fruitful one for me um, uh, so I'm learning lots of new things from a book that I've been studying my entire life. So that's the power of the text. So first, a couple things about John chapter 3. And Nicodemus is a fascinating character. He only shows up in the Gospel of John. He will show up uh, several times, two more times after this chapter. And he represents... Um, well, it's interesting to think about what he represents. There are different ideas about that. There's actually even... Um, A group called Nicodemians in the early church, people who were uh, Christians in hiding, if you would, and and of course uh, taking this cue from the fact that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Um, I've mentioned this in the sermon series, but belief, faith is of a central importance uh, in John's gospel. It's certainly uh, important in this chapter, but if you stop and look at, at the characters we encounter in John's gospel, faith can look at a lot of different ways. And and I think Nicodemus represents that middle, that guy, who, that person who, who is interested, who's, who's drawn to Jesus, but um, for lots of pretty important reasons, isn't quite ready to go all in. So I think it's important to see Nicodemus as a person who's exploring faith, right? And I think this encounter portrays him, albeit confused and a little, a little dense, um, nonetheless, he's someone who's interested. And that alone is, I think, really important. You want to think about how Nicodemus, who is a teacher, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, a person who knows his stuff, right? Um, and how confused he is. And the way Jesus talks to him, I find it's really interesting to compare to uh, what's going to happen in chapter four with the woman at the well and later on with the blind man. So think about that. One of the things that I think is really important to think about the Gospel of John is the Gospel of John keeps building on itself. There's a really intertextual conversation going on so it's always relating forward and backwards and I think that's important I also think something else that's really important to see in chapter three is that the writer of John is reworking this idea of what the kingdom of God is and there's a lot of debate whether or not uh, John knew the synoptic gospels this could really be an argument for the fact that he did and his reworking of the kingdom of God, emphasizing the spiritual dimension of it, uh, emphasizing its heavenly origin and grounding, uh, emphasizing that the Son did not come to condemn the world, I think is helping to, um, you know, to to move maybe the uh, early followers of Jesus away from a more apocalyptic understanding of the kingdom, and, and particularly it helps flesh out uh, if John in part is a dialogue or a debate with uh, the forming phaeseric Judaism, the rabbinical Judaism of the post-destruction of the temple. It, it's in many ways, John's uh, attempt to distance himself for distance the Jesus movement from the apocalyptic movements that um, created so much havoc in the first century. Which also, one other insight about Nicodemus, Nicodemus may represent that middle ground. So if John, in its original context, is a debate between the um, the Jesus movement, or John's Jesus community, and the Jerusalem establishment, or the reestablishment of Pharisaic Judaism, or even Jerusalem-centered hierarchical Christianity. Um, the Nicodemus is this middle figure, right? Uh, he, he's one who's trying to figure out uh, which way to go. So I think that's interesting. One of the other things I think is really important, and, and is this three these three waves of questions, and are, uh, you know, Jesus and and Nicodemus going back and forth, and and in some levels. Nicodemus getting into a deeper, deeper, and more and more confused, but I think this is setting up this double or even multi-layer way of interpreting the Gospel of John. It's almost like chapter three is a Rubik's uh, not Rubik's cube, but uh, a uh, a way of uh, of of interpreting the rest of the book. Um, I was trying to think of I can I lost the name of. Uh, the uh, the stone the Rosetta stone yeah it's it's kind of the it's it's a way of of interpreting the multilavers going forward and and, and I think John chapter three does this in multiple ways the play on wind and spirit same word in Greek um, sound and voice building even on this idea of of water continuing so bringing in this image of baptism this image of even the idea of creation. All these things are multi-level. And and the Gospel of John certainly invites us to read the text on all of these levels. Again, the strange... Of, it's, it's a strange reference, but it, of course the the, the story in, of the bronze serpent in Numbers 21 is a, is a strange one in and of itself. But that... The writer of John uses that as a metaphor um, for the crucifixion is a fascinating one. This idea of the therapeutic nature of the gospel. Um, and so, as we've already seen in chapter one, where Jesus is called the Lamb of God from the beginning, this idea of a universal lifting up, right? The Moses serpent was a particular time of healing for the people in the wilderness, Um uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness. But this is a more universal. The Son of Man is lifted up that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And, and this also kind of points to, um, and I've already mentioned uh, the double meaning of, of uh, wind and voice, the uh, challenge of the preposition, right? Uh, are you born again? Are you born anew? Or are you born from on high? Um since I think John purposely chooses ambiguity, I think it's both. It's a, it's, a, it's a new birth that comes from on heaven. And so one's participation in God is not based on your heritage, not based on you being born into the chosen people, um, but it's a, it's a spiritual birth. And what's really interesting, and I think this is a corrective to, to maybe the kind of Christianity I was initially reared in, it's not a fleshly birth, and so it's a spirit birth. So that means it's not really necessarily experiential alone. Now, I'm not saying that one shouldn't have an experience of of a new birth in Christ, but this emphasis on being born again as a particular uh, experiential event, I think, misses maybe uh, the profundity. Of what Jesus is talking about here uh, it's, it's so much more than experience which I, you know human experience what well, we often call encountering God you know I'm not saying it's not legitimate but remember anything we experience and the most of a part our emotions whatever is, is really a part of our chemistry which is which is a physical thing the idea of the spiritual birth is it's something that's if it's a gift from God. Which brings us to these amazing, amazing passages that uh, I, I said this in my sermon that um, I learned John three sixteen, 16. Uh, it would have been better if we kept 16, 17, and 18 together because it, it, it kind of is a corrective for everyone, right? There's this kind of universal for God so loved the cosmos, okay? It doesn't say God so loved the elect. He says it loves the cosmos that whoever believes in him should have eternal life and this idea that the son is not here to condemn the world so if again if if Jesus didn't come to condemn the world it's not really our job to do it either but there's also a check here to this kind of universal theme and that is that he who believes is not condemned but those who don't believe already are condemned and i think it's a very simple way to think about it and that either god is your god or god's not okay this isn't this is, you know, the idea that if God is a source of our new life, if God is a source of this transformational perspective, if, as Jesus will tell Pilate, you know, my, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would fight, but it's not of this world, then we, we have to have a different perspective, right? It's a, it's, it's a different kind of thing. And so if we're not connected to this one who's brought life and light then, you know, we, we are subjected to, to not being able to benefit. Okay, I think everyone benefits from the grace of God in one way or the other. But there's a sense where um, being a follower of God is to receive the gift so we can begin to see what's really going on. And I, I, I think the truth is that in verse 19, people still love darkness rather than light. Um, (laughs) I saw saw a family running away with their children in a wagon from the Super Bowl parade because someone opened fire. It doesn't matter why they did it. It doesn't matter why the gunman did what the gunman did, right? Kind of beyond that at this point. It's just this idea that we continually choose darkness I mean we as a country are running towards the cliff, and so there's a sense where um, truth can lead us into the light and and that's a great promise here um there's it, a really interesting the rest of the chapter has a little bit to do with this clarifying between who John the Baptist was and who Jesus was which certainly probably reflects some of the conflict that was going on in the various jewish communities um, in the first century and and so it's 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 important that you know john is given his due but what's really clear about it in the gospel of john that that jesus is of of a whole different order than what john the baptist was doing um, and this idea that faith in this Son of God um, is is where life is found, and that all this is is being given, revealed um, from God. So again, just a little supplement, and there's so much more we could do here. I I do think one of the most amazing statements um, of humility in the entire Bible is what's put in the mouth of John the Baptist in verse thirty, um, because John the Baptist in John is is clarifying, <laughs> and uh, he says he must increase, but I must decrease. It's a remarkable principle of 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 knowing one's role, right? Uh, I say it's really an important aspect of so much uh, leadership. Uh, certainly, what it's uh, what being a parent is about, right? Um, but really, a powerful testimony um, of according to Jesus and the Synoptics, uh, no one greater ever born of 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 woman was John the Baptist. But what's going on with Jesus? Is something radically different, All right. Well, I hope this helps you. Continue to read. I really encourage you to read on. Uh, on your own, and uh, God bless. Have a have a good week.